What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast. As always, I'm Justin Michael. I'm your host, and I'm thrilled because for the first time ever, I was joined by Brady Hole, host of The Whole Show. I have no clue why it took me this long to get Brady on the show, but it was a blast just chopping it up with him. We're able to get to know him a little bit. Dive into his background as far as just a young college football fan back in the day. And then, of course, we get into expectations for CSU this season, the Pac-12, CU, Dion, the future of college football, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, I do want to let you guys know that we recorded this on Wednesday, August 2nd. At that point, it was known that the future of the Pac-12 was looking pretty bleak, but we didn't have any confirmation regarding the four corner schools or Washington and Oregon, who are obviously Big Ten bound now. Just keep that in mind throughout the interview. There are a couple statements that are a little bit dated as of now, but that's what happens when you pre-record. I didn't want the pod to go dark while I'm on vacation. And the truth is the vast majority of the conversation is still relevant. We talk a lot about CSU, our expectations for the year, what would constitute a winning season, the vision going forward, all that type of stuff. Real quick, before we get into that interview with Brady Hole, I just want to remind everybody that we will have Jay Norvell live in studio on Thursday the 10th. That'll be at 10.45 a.m. from the DNVR Sports YouTube. I'll also post the audio in the podcast feeds afterwards like normal, so if you can't watch live, that's okay. But I will be doing a lot more live shows this year with video, so make sure you keep an eye out on that, including post-game shows. Anyways, we're going to get to that interview here with Brady, but I do want to shout out the homies over at Circa Resort and Casino. That's where we had the Mountain West Media Days recently. One of the sickest spots I've ever stayed at. Definitely the coolest place I've ever been in Vegas. They have a three-story stadium-style sports book. It's epic. It takes 10 people to operate the 78 million pixel screen. Just think about that for a second. It takes less people to operate an airplane at this point than it does to operate this insane screen that they have at the sportsbook. On top of that, there's a 7,000-square-foot casino with two levels. They've got over 1,300 slots, 48 table games with dancing dealers. But the headliner, of course, Stadium Swim. It's a 143-by-40-foot LED screen in front of six pools, two spas. They've got 15,000 feet of wet space, two swim bars, cabanas, everything you need for an epic time. And with over 500 rooms with a variety of different layouts to fit your needs, they're going to be able to find a setup that works for you if you're going out to Vegas for a Broncos-Raiders game, for an Avs-Knights matchup, CSU-UNLV. I'm telling you, Circa Resort and Casino is the spot to be. It is a 21 and up resort, but if you use the code DNVR20, you're going to get 20% off. Also, download the Circa app at circasports.com. Circa Sports bets can be made only while physically located in the state of Colorado. Must be 21 or older. All rights reserved. Circa Sports Colorado encourages you to gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER or visit problemgamblingcolorado.org. Also, when you get hurt, Bax and Shanker is here to help. Bax and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They've been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. No upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. Bax and Shanker has won over $1 billion for their clients, now with even more locations serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Bax and Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Bax and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases where you weren't at fault, car accident, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Bax and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax and Shanker wins. 
All right. Joining me on the DMVR Rams podcast, we've got a special guest today, GM of 1310 KFKA, host of the whole show. He's got the biggest biceps on the CSU Rams beat. My main man, Brady Hole. How's it going, dude? Uh, good, man. I, 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 if I would have known the tower intro in here, I would have wore a tank top today. You know, sun's out, guns out. No, man, that's a, that's a good intro. I love that. <laughs> you're <laughs> modest, though. That's that's why we love you. You you could have showed off the guns, but you're keeping them in their holsters. And, and that's a man with integrity. Plaid. I'm going plaid today. Who goes plaid in August? But it was a little <laughs> cloudy. And I'm like, you know, it's time. I, I love wearing plaid. So we got to do it. I yearn for a time when plaid is the appropriate thing to be wearing. I mean, this this heat, the rain, the hail, I'm I'm over summer at this point. I'm not a big summer guy, Justin. You've seen me in person. I'm very pasty. If I'm out, oh, me the, too. If I'm out in the sun for more than five minutes, I just turn red. I don't bronze beautifully. I just it's it's pasty or red. So I try to stay out of the sun as much as possible. It's hard out here for these pasty white boys, guys, especially <laughs> when we're at practice. But um I wanted to get Brady on the pod because I wanted to get his opinions on CSU. Obviously, I ramble all the time. Also, we'll dive into some other, you know, CU Northern Colorado stuff at the end, pretty surface level. But just first things first, I think anybody that's listening to this pod is familiar with you, familiar with what you do. Um, I don't want to dap you up too much here, but uh, what I love about your show is that you're willing to cover everything. You know, it's not just CU. It's not just CU. It's it's everything. And that's what I think makes you a really good guest. But I'm curious, as far as your background with college football fandom goes, did you have a team that you grew up rooting for? Who was your childhood favorite player? Oh, man. So growing up, um, you know, we were just big sports fans. That's what we loved. You know, um, it, it just depends. You know, Rams fans are going to hate this, but we grew up loving both teams. I didn't go to... See I didn't you hate see you growing up. I genuinely no. didn't. Yeah. No, and we loved the Rocky Mountain Showdown because it's like two two teams that we love and we follow. Great. We had CU stuff. We had CSU stuff. So I wasn't like one way or the other as far as team that I absolutely loved. I always rooted for him. But I mean, growing up, I, I can I say a CU name on this show? Is that going to yeah. be okay? I mean, it's that, it's honest, right? I was the diehard fan of Cordell Stewart, man. I just absolutely he was loved sick. Flash yeah. and. Every time playing Madden growing up, you know, when he got on, we got in the NFL, I always played his, you know, whether he was the Steelers or it was the Bears or I trade for him. So I was a big Cordell Stewart fan for sure. So that's one of them that sticks out for me. I love that. The Madden, the Madden response is something that really resonates with me. I've talked about that a lot, just going on franchise mode and, you know, putting Joel Dreesen on the team or there were a couple of years when BVP was in the game and like I boost his stats up, obviously had to make him a little bit better. But just like going on franchise mode and having Bradley oh. Van Pelt be an all pro in the NFL or something. Oh, I, yeah, I had Bradley Van Pelt on there, you know, you bring him in and you're like, let's give him a try and just run around and make something happen. So that, yeah, that, that's what I love about Madden. You bring all your local guys on there and you just build a team that way. The other thing I wanted to ask you, I've noticed throughout the summer, you've been doing some movie reviews. I'm a big movie nerd. What's your all time <laughs> favorite sports movie? Oh, man. So. That's fairly easy for me because I just love Jerry Maguire. That that movie, and I know it's not like the, it's more of the business side of it. And it's kind of I was going to say, you could make an argument. It's not really a sports movie, but it is a great movie. Yes. It, yes, you get that because it's, you know, there's some sports action in there with Rod Tidwell. There's B-roll or whatever of him running around. But for the most part, it's the business side and then it's the love story. But I, I just, I love that movie, that the, 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 the whole idea of it, you know, and just, 
working with one player or a couple of players instead of a massive agency. So I love that one. Um, you know, God, I always think of like my favorite sports movies are ones that I can just rewatch whenever. Yeah, for you know? sure. And so that one's up there. Recently, I guess somewhat recent, Moneyball's a, a must. That's a good one. Uh, and then remember the Titans. I mean, that's, you know, I've watched that one a million times over. And if it's on, I'm watching it. That's a good one. Caddyshack's up there too. So I guess I gave Those you like all good answers. Lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if I, Jerry Maguire is probably my favorite, but yes, if you, if you do make the argument that it's not a full on sports movie, I'll probably go with, I'll probably go with, with uh, Moneyball. I'm going to say Moneyball on that one. See, the funny thing is when I was younger, I probably would have pushed back. As I've gotten older, I actually like sports movies more that feature less of the actual sport being played because yeah. typically it's really bad. You know, it's like not a good scene. So when you can do it without like really having to lean into the sports themselves and still have it be entertaining, still have that sports feel. I like that. Like there's not a ton of baseball in Moneyball, but it's a great oh. movie and they show the stadium Amazing. and everything else. Like they, they do a really good job working around it. I will agree with you 100%. I find myself liking the movies that are about the business of the sport or the relationships around the sport. Um, what is uh, what is the Kevin, Kevin Costner's in 4 million baseball movies? But what is the oh, one? draft day? There's draft day, but what's the one where he's the pitcher and it's he's like reliving his whole life story over and over again? Is that what was Bull Durham or he's in a couple of those in the late 90s? I think it's the other one, though. Yeah. yeah. I cannot blank it out. Oh, is that one for the love of the game? Is that what that one was? It might be. I can picture the I can picture the cover and like what it looks like, but I can't. I'm drawing a blank on the title. He had those three late or early '90s, late '80s baseball movies. And then there was another one where he's a pitcher, and as he's on the mound, like it's he ends up pitching a perfect game. Spoiler alert! And then he's just reliving his relationships throughout. I'm looking. I'm trying to look it up right now because I got to get it. But I just I don't know why. But that's another one of those movies where it's there's some baseball in it, but it's just more about the relationship of the game. That he's had. Yeah, I think built. you're right. Kevin Costner, Kelly Preston. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, Kelly Preston. Yeah, obviously. That's that is just a great. That was a great movie. So I'm with you on that. I like the stories behind it, kind of more so than the actual games that they're showcasing and things like that. I like it. Now, now our audience they they get to know you a little bit. They know you're a cool guy. They'd be down to watch a movie with you. I think. I um, think so. I think I'm a good movie watcher. I like to talk about the movies afterward too. So I'm always into that. Fun fact about Costner. I think it was for the for the love of the game. It might have been for one of the other ones, but he did an interview a couple of summers ago and he was talking about having to throw all those pitches and he actually did anabolic steroids because his arm You're, Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. And he's like, I was pushing like upper eighties at some point or something like wow. that. So he was he was kind of killing it, which is kind of awesome. That's a cool story. I like to hear that. Guys doing their own stunts. <laughs> Tom, very Tom Cruise-esque. And, and yes. I'm I'm a big Tom Cruise guy too. So I, I come around also on Jerry Maguire on that answer. The older I get, the more dad I get, even though I'm not a dad yet. Like Tom Cruise movies. I mean, Matt Damon movies. That's right up my alley. Yeah, Matt Damon movies. Those are, oh, what was the Mark Wahlberg movie? Um, why can't I think of any titles to movies that I've seen? It's the Philadelphia Eagles story. Oh, He's Invincible. A that's a great one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one too. I like that one. That's definitely up there. That's one of my favorite childhood ones, but we don't want to talk movies the whole time. I can very easily do this and get sidetracked and go 30 minutes on what was supposed to be right. the the brief intro. <laughs> what stood out the most to you, I guess, about year one under Jay Norvell? Because I think 
There was a lot of hype, obviously, coming in. It didn't exactly play out the way anybody hoped offensively. A big struggle. There's a lot of factors that went into that. But when you think back to this last season, what kind of stands out the most to you? Honestly, it was like all the things we didn't expect, right? The defense was really, it was pretty, pretty darn good. Freddie Banks, that defense. And then obviously, um, you know, the running back situation, Avery Morrow last year. And I know that situation is, is certainly an interesting one, but I, that stood out to me. The fact that we didn't really see for air raid. Uh, and I, I bought all in. I was like, oh, we're going to see this game one. It's going to be throwing footballs everywhere. But and then the logical portion of my brain about five weeks in was like, yeah, something like that, that transition from Adazio's style to Norvell, that's not going to happen overnight. So what stood out was all the things that we weren't really building up, or maybe you were, but I, I certainly wasn't like, oh, this run game is going to be good. The defense is going to be lights out in certain games. So th- those were kind of the things that stood out the most to me were all the things we didn't expect. I think those are both good answers because when you look back at that team, no, the defensive numbers aren't going to jump off the page. It's not like 12 points a game or something like that. But when you're allowing basically 20 points a game in conference play, when you're on the field the entire time because they couldn't really sustain drives, it's it's pretty dang impressive. And then you mentioned Morrow. I mean, the fact that he was able to be, I think, the third leading rusher in conference play, despite the fact that it was the worst offensive line in college football, that's a testament to how hard that dude was running. He was running hard. Um, he was fun to watch and everything. And so, I yeah, I didn't expect that. But uh, we'll see what I, I'm curious to see how if for air raid goes the way, you know, we, we think it's going to go. I'm just curious to see how the running game is utilized when everything's going right, because I think correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like it was Morrow was more of that's the necessity. We got That's what we got. We got to do that until we can figure out this offensive line. How will it work when Clay Millen is firing on all cylinders and this offensive line is good? Will we see a lot of the just traditional style of runs or are we expecting those guys to to catch a lot of passes a lot more? That's a good point. I do think they they do want to lean on the ground game. When you look at what they did at Nevada, they operate out of the pistol instead of the traditional shotgun. And that's to try and incorporate some of the elements out of the pistol offense and the run and shoot where you're able to more effectively run the ball than you do if you just have, you know, four receivers spread out of a gun the entire time. That said, I don't think it's going to be like that Nevada game where you have Avery Morrow or Kobe Johnson, the North Dakota State transfer that came in, you know, carrying the ball 25, 30 times. Like, that's not what they want to do. In an ideal world, they're throwing the ball 40 plus times and rushing the ball as a team I don't know, maybe like 20 to 25 as a team, like those key third down situations, red zone, all that. Yeah. And maybe, uh, you know, I doubt they'll have any designed Clay Millen runs, but that guy can move. Like I was shocked by that. He can move around. He was scrambling for his life a lot last season, but (laughs) I I asked him, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, is there a lot of designed quarterback runs? He's like, no, they want to get away from that completely. But I was shocked. That's another one that stood out to me. The fact that he can move, and I know he was like he had to, or it was get sacked for you know a four hundred yard loss, but he could move around. So I, that was kind of exciting to see. Well, I think that's encouraging, especially when you look at the trajectory of his career. Carson Strong is the guy who had all the arm talent in the world. Unfortunately, he's just had too many knee injuries, and as they added up, he—I mean, it was like watching a statue back there. His last year at Nevada, he still lit it up through the air. He yeah. couldn't move, but if Clay is able. Obviously, you don't want him scrambling, like you said, all the time. But there are those instances, you know, where you can escape the pocket, create something out of structure. 
that's the way the game trends these days. You know, the, the days of Peyton Manning standing in the pocket, picking you apart every single snap after snap. It's going to be pretty tough to play that way. Defenses are just built. They're just faster now. So things happen quickly. And so if that second progression is not looking good, sometimes, you know, rather than scanning for that third, you got to make a decision and move because these defensive, I don't, I don't know how anybody plays football first off, because these guys are just getting more athletic every single year, but yeah, having that in your in your tool belt, knowing that okay, break in case of an emergency, I can move a little bit and get away if uh, if things break down quickly. That's nice to have. I'm glad you brought up Clay because you obviously have had an opportunity to get to know him on a level that most people haven't. Um, Clay Millen show coming back this fall, right? Yeah, yeah, we're excited about that. Crazy Carl's hooking us up again, so we love doing these player shows and. This will be my first repeat show. Uh, basically, you know, the, we've had a player two years in a row because every year we've changed it up. You know, when we started, it was Ellison Hubbard, and that was an interesting year for Ellison, and he'll tell you that. Uh, and then uh, we got Clay, and, of course, we wanted to get the quarterback, and we we're hopeful it works out. And obviously, with him him coming back as a starter, it worked out to get him back on the show again. So we're pumped for that. I love those programs. What's kind of stood out to you about him and, and his demeanor? I, I think. Out of all the quarterbacks I've covered, one of the things that I appreciate about Clay, he's still going to give the smart answer. Like you can tell he's well coached and all that. He gives a little more insight, though, into like what went well, what went wrong. There are some quarterbacks where it's just like there's really no value in me asking you anything. Yeah, no, he he is. He's definitely open to talk. Well, his dad, of course, you know, he's pretty darn good in the radio. We're going to do a segment with him. So we're going to break the record, I think, for the most Millens on one sports show in a week. We're going to do mania, that. baby. Yeah. So we're going to get him on. So I think he's got a little bit of that. But what stood out to me, honestly, was something really cool. And, you know, um, I remember him asking throughout the course of the season. He's like, I just hope that more radio stations businesses, whatever, we'll do NIL deals with guys because he's like, I I want the defense to be recognized. I want this guy to be recognized. He should be coming on. Clay brought in Henry uh, Blackburn and Jack Howell for, for a show, I think one of the final shows of the season. And he said it on air. He's like, we don't need to talk about me or the offense. He's like, I'm not lighting it up or anything. I wanted to bring these boys in here and talk to them. So what I like is he's he's always, he truly is, that guy that's thinking of of others before him. Every time you talk to him, he's always sure to build somebody up. And, and it's genuine. Some guys just do it because they think they have to yeah. do it. It's very genuine. And so I think that really stood out. He is a really, he's a really cool guy. We've been fortunate in that regard in terms of CSU and their star players and just being, you know, humble down to earth guys. You know, I think of Isaiah Stevens, obviously with basketball, David Roddy, very similar. You know, these guys, they know how good they are. But yeah. they take every opportunity they can to deflect praise, to bring up their teammates. And I think that's a big reason why, obviously, CSU's had success under Medved. But it's a big reason why I believe in what's happening under Norvell, too. It's not just that they're bringing in the talent. It's tangible with the way that guys are connected. Like, you can just feel the vibes of that roster. It's a lot better than it was a couple years back. I think that's a great point. You know, it, you always hear coaches say, we're looking for character guys, and then they get guys that have had whatever issues, whatever. So they're not really living by that. But then you see what Medved's doing, and then you talk to these guys, and then you follow them post-career, and they're still doing the right things. I think there's a lot behind that. When you say that's our mission, obviously they have to be a skilled player, but we're really going to dive in and get to know them as a person. 
And I, and I think you are seeing that football is obviously harder because there's so many personalities, there's so many pieces. Nobody's always going to be yes. on the exact same page. Like you're not going to have 80 dudes in, in step, but as long as the vast majority are, are buying into what you're selling, you're going to be able to do some things. Oh yeah. And I think that's what you're seeing. Hopefully we really start to see that with Norvell's crew going forward, but Medved, we've seen it time and time again, every, everybody you talk to, they're easy to talk to. They're humble. And and I think that that's why you're starting to see that success. And I think basketball is going to be very successful this season. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. Um, I'll have to get you on again so we can preview the hoop scene because oh, I think yeah. it's going to be a good year for all these local okay. teams. Um, but just kind of off of that, I guess, what are your expectations going into this year? Obviously, we've had more of an opportunity to to get to see this roster. There's still a ton of new pieces. I mean, there's going to be 40 plus new players, even though they have, you know, 15 returning starters. How do you feel about this team going into to year two? I mean, I was really hyped up last year. I mean, I bought into it. I loved the coaches doing the four air raid stuff. Matt Mummies, if you don't follow Mummy on Twitter, if people don't, they need to because he's just a great follow. So I was all pumped up and I got into it a little much. I'm trying to go into the season with a little bit more tempered expectations. I don't know that four air raid takes off game one, two, three, but I think we're, st- we're going to start to see more of that as we progress to the season. I think it's going to be a good season. And, you know, Jay Norvell, his second year with Nevada, it was a pretty quick turnaround. I think they went from three wins to eight wins or something like that. I don't know if it'll be eight wins, but I think you're going to see just a a much more competitive team that's probably going to be flirting with that bowl season type thing. And who knows if the offense really takes hold like it's supposed to and the defense is good again, then you you could really make some noise here. But I'm I'm kind of just trying to stay around that five to six but hoping I'm wrong and it's way more than that. What would constitute a successful season to you? Is it just progress or is there a figure they need to hit? Like, do they need to at least go six and six, reach a bowl game for this to be considered a successful season to you? Or, you know, is there a scenario in which maybe they only win four or five games, but they show a lot at the end? Like, I I don't know. It's a tough spot just with all the realignment stuff happening. It feels like the pressure to win now is there in a way that really hasn't been there the last couple of years. I think what you just said, like, that's why the expectations have got to be higher, because I know, you know, it's not necessarily 100 percent about wins and losses. Because look at look at CU. They won one game last year and now they're in the Big 12. But the primetime effect there, it's about the popularity thing. And we all know that if the if the Rams can put together a successful season on the football field. Canvas Stadium is an amazing place. That stadium is is awesome. If you can fill that up and really create that atmosphere. I mean, you remember the first game there against Oregon State. That was such an awesome environment. It was packed. If they can get that again, then I think that they become obviously more attractive to whatever conference might they go to, Pac-12, Pac Mountain, Mountain Pack, whatever it is, or Big 12. If you can win games and show that, man, this place, that's a hot spot for football, then it's going to help. So I do think that because of that, the expectations are extremely high. If it were just a regular season, I would say five to six wins would be considered a success lower than that. You know, I I hate to say the word failure, but you got to start raising those expectations for this program. And I think you've got a guy in Jay Norvell that can can meet those expectations. So I would say you got to be flirting with a bowl game. You really got to get close to that. And for the conference realignment stuff, I think the expectations should be we want to be one of the top teams in the conference where three weeks left, we're at least in the conversation of a Mountain West championship. I, I think that's really fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
No, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I would say anything short of five wins would be a failure to me. Yeah. Just yeah. because, I mean, obviously injuries, there's a million different things context-wise that could happen where you kind of have to change the, the frame of mind. If you lose your starting quarterback week one for the year or something, like your, your entire season shifts. Knock on wood, not trying to put anything like that yeah, in the universe. Awesome. All that type of stuff. I just mean, obviously there's stuff that could happen that makes us reevaluate the situation, change expectations and all that. But I mean, it's been six years since they reached the postseason. It's been 20 or well, over 20, I guess now, since they won the Mountain West. Like at some point, you got to strive for higher. And I don't think expecting them to go 10 and two this year is a wise way to, to be as a fan. I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. The schedule is just too challenging. It's very challenging. But like missing the postseason again, that would feel like a failure to me, especially with all the talent that they brought in. You do have, you know, significant returning talent on that defense. Obviously, it all comes down to the offensive line being much improved. But man, like just don't be the worst O-line in the country. And you would have to think they would make great strides. I would think so. And and that's the thing, like with, with Rams fans, you know, you just want them to, they, they want to get those expectations in their brain. I mean, we're talking about all this conference realignment. We're having big time discussions as far as what's going to happen with CSU. At the end of the day, you got to put a good product on the field. You got to draw the crowd. You got to get that place bumping because that's, that's what you want that. And you, you won't achieve that. If you, you know, win four games, you get blown out by Washington state or whatever, you won't achieve those ultimate goals. I don't think unless you're showing that, hey, this would be a resource, a great resource for any of those Power Five conferences. What is your gut reaction to all this realignment, just as somebody who enjoys the sport of college football? Because it's inevitable. Like It's obviously more prominent in these last couple of years, but I do think that we can be a bit dramatic as a fan base and be like, this is so different. This has been happening since the 80s. I mean, you can look back at, the old Southwest Athletic Conference, the WAC turning into the Mountain West. Like schools have been moving. It's never stopped. It's never going to stop. At the same time, it feels like the moves that are happening now make the least sense. And I'm not even necessarily saying see you to the Big 12. That move, I think, on paper at least makes sense. But when I think about OU in, in Texas going to the SEC or, you know, Maryland playing USC in a conference game, like that. That just has no appeal to me as a college football fan. There's no history there. There's no like regional rivalry, no passion. I just, I don't get it. It's all about money, I guess. Yeah, that, and we know the rivalries, like that's what drives college sports. I mean, I, I did a poll last week on the show. I was like, would you rather have a losing season, but beat all your rivals? And most, most fans were pretty logical. And they're like, I'd rather have a winning season and all that stuff. But there's a good chunk of fans that are like, Air Force, Wyoming, CU, beat them. I don't care what else happens. So we know that the rivalries are so important. And you're right. All this conference realignment, you you, you got to go in quickly and try to build up some rivalries and manifest a rivalry because it's just not there and the history is not there. Um, it's chaotic. You know, when I think about all the conference realignment, it's crazy, but it's entertaining and it's it fills uh, summer shows too when you're doing three hours. And good day, for content. That's for sure. <laughs> It does. But, you know, you talk about OU, you talk about Texas, they could have stayed and they could have been the big dogs. You know, they could have ran that conference, but instead they go and now new man on campus and a very competitive, the competitive conference. So I'll be curious to see how that one works out for them.
Take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades and an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all either. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they're going to send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because you know that they're going to have your back long after you purchase. You can shop the entire collection at the brand new location in the Park Meadows Mall. Full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or just return them free within 30 days. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com, use the code DMBR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself to Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Finally, y'all know that we love our Breck beers at DNVR. I am literally drinking a Breck Mountain Beach as we speak poolside trying to soak in this last of summer before football gets too chaotic, spend a little time with my fam. But you could be like me. You could be living it up, ice-cold Breck brew in hand, sitting there chilling, relaxing all cool, having a mountain beach out by the pool. That worked pretty well. I didn't know if I was going to be able to pull that one out. But we love Breck Beer because they have a passion for what they do. They've been doing it for 33 years, and it shows with the product. They've got a beer that's for everybody. You know, if, if you want something a little simple, you can always just go to the Avalanche Amber Ale. Keep it simple. Juice Drop IPA. Can't miss. But like I said, for me personally, it's all about that mountain beach sour, baby. The perfect amount of tartness, the perfect amount of sweetness. So crisp, good by itself, good with a burger. It's just the perfect beer. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com. Find a brew near you. New man on campus and a very competitive, the competitive conference. So I'll be curious to see how that one works out for him. I think it was funny right after that uh, announcement came out a couple years back that Texas and, and OU would be leaving. I was out in Vegas for media days and I talked to Carson Strong about it. And at first he was just kind of like, oh yeah, that's interesting. And then he kind of let his, uh, he kind of let the filter fall off. And he was like, I don't know, man, Texas isn't even that competitive in the Big 12. I don't know what they think they're going to do in the SEC. That's, and that's, you know, the same conversations for the buffs too. I mean, we all know how that At least point out if you're skeptical. I mean, I think their move makes more sense when you look at the state of the Pac 12 right now and the drama and the instability and all that. Just getting that guaranteed paycheck, it makes sense to me on paper. But, Like, if you feel like, if you're a CU fan, I I would at least want to see them play some games before I started, you know, talking a bunch of mess just because they don't have a winning record against a single team in the Pac-12 since they joined. I know, it's gonna, and and again, this is where if you're a Buffs fan, the the primetime factor, you're just really hoping that these aren't just awesome names on paper, that these guys can really play at that level, be in the Pac-12 this year, but then next year, this year, I mean, even, it's not like their schedule is, that's, That's gonna a be a brutal tough schedule. schedule. <laughs> I mean, a brutal schedule, man. You're like probably best case hoping for a two and three start. Realistically, I mean, obviously, if you start the year by upsetting TCU and you beat Nebraska, you get some momentum like that. Who knows? Anything becomes possible at that point. But realistically, you're going to be a double digit dog to TCU on the road. The context of a rivalry game makes any game challenging, whether you're at home or not. Nebraska, CSU. I like that spot for CSU, by the way. Just the fact that they're coming off the bye. Nebraska's putting all, or CU's putting all their eggs in that Nebraska matchup. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if, if CSU came in there and kind of surprised them a little bit. It, it wouldn't shock me. You know, and I, 
I kind of loosely thought, you know, predicted whatever. My predictions mean absolutely nothing because they never just go the opposite way of what I'm saying typically. Is That's how I feel sometimes too. <laughs> but I feel like CSU can win. And when asked why, I know CSU better. I don't know. I mean, we see Shador. We see these big names for CU. They sound like they're big names, but can they compete at this level? So those are, that's why those are my big questions around the buffs right now. Well, the so continuity and the depth. Like we just watched this with CSU. It's hard to take that many new pieces and have everybody come together, put together a competitive product that quickly. And to do that against that schedule is a tall task. Yeah, and I know it's changed a little bit with the transfer portal and all that stuff, but I still think that asking a team to do a quick turnaround in a year is still way too much. So, um, you know me, I'm still this way. I'm rooting for both. I want all these schools in the area to be successful. I, I, I love it because it's more fun. I always had a rule with radio. You either want to talk about really good teams or really bad teams. Right in the middle is just boring. It's not fun to talk about. So I'm rooting for some success. I think it's good for the state in a sense of just elevating the product. I mean, when I was a kid, when I fell in love with college football, it was very common for CSU and CU to both be top 25 programs, to both be, you know, pushing for that eight to 10 win range. And I just, I, I would love to see that again, have it where these games have serious implication. Like yes. the winners in the top 25, the losers getting bounced out of the top 25, you know, it just, have it really mean something, have some real stakes. I feel the same way even about CSU Wyoming. Like for a decade, basically, it's one of these teams is going to be just above 500. The other one's probably going to be just below 500. And the game still matters. It's still the greatest rivalry in this part of the country. But like, give me some real stakes. I I, I didn't get to experience 1996 where it's like winner goes to the WAC title game. Like that's what I want. That's what I want too. And you, I, I put out a Twitter poll like a week ago and just got roasted for it from Rams fans because I was like, Hey, you should root for CU to win those first two games. And then when you beat them, it means way more than beating just CU. And everyone's like, ah, oh, it means everything. And we'll never root for CU. I, I get it. But I'm just telling you, I would love it. I think bleacher report came out with, it was like four years ago, Justin. And, and it was like, the headline was the, the Rocky mountain who cares game or something like that, because both teams were bad. They're terrible. Yeah. Nobody cares about it. And so I take that personally and I'm, I look at it and go, I want the nation to start looking at this. If CU's two and up, which they won't be, but if they are, and then CSU comes in and beats them, that is a pretty significant story because primetime's getting all the attention, all the eyes, and it will still be a significant story if they beat them. But you beat a two and O buffs team that beat TCU in Nebraska, the Rams are on the map. And that's a good thing. So, yes, I know it's crazy, but that's where my brain is. What's funny is my brain is split directly down the middle because as just a general college football consumer, somebody who talks about the product, I'm, I'm, I get exactly what you're saying. Like you're creating more interest. The games, it means more. That's more, there's just more intrigue at that point. And then there's the part of me that's like, as a CSU alumnus, as somebody who was in stands, I've had beer thrown in my face by CU students. Yes. I'm like, it's like, screw those guys. You know, I hope they yeah. go 0 and 12. So I, and I give Brady I a break. That. That's all I'm saying. He he's not doing it to like this. This isn't like a skip Bayless. I'm trying to like say something wild. No. But if all these teams are good at the very surface level, it's more interesting for everyone. Yes. And you know, I've had people bring this up to me on the show. They're like, Well, are you rooting for the Chiefs to be good then? That, that, that's, that's completely different. different. Completely different because the Chiefs win loss record completely uh directly affects 
the Broncos situation. So that's the, not not even close to the same and thing. CSU and CU, happen. they're not in the same conference. No. Like you can lose to the other one, still go on and have a successful year, win your league. Like it's just making that game have some stakes. Yeah. And I love that. That's what we, well, you know, us in the media, we love that. We love the bigger the game, the more there is to talk about, the more people get involved and want to get into those conversations, the more trash talk. Right now, it's trash talk about two teams that have not been very good. That's fun. But imagine the trash talk between two teams that are like the class of college football. That's my dream. Yeah. That's the. I think the biggest pushback you got is just that I think CSU fans are so cynical at this point that it's kind of like, let's just win a game before we start worrying about the context of the matchup, which is probably fair, but it's, they don't have the same job as us. It's fair, but that's like what we were talking about earlier, like your expectations for CSU. Raise those expectations, raise that bar, because we're talking about moving into a power five conference. And if that's going to happen, you got to win games and big games and be attractive nationally. And so that's that's all I'm saying. But I get the I get the hate. I understand that. I know where Rams fans are coming from. Um, I like I said, growing up, I was always right there in the middle. So I didn't experience the hate on either side. I'm the guy that goes to those games and I just wear an off color. You like got the blue. NFL hat, like Rob Lowe. <laughs> yeah, I just wear college football. <laughs> My wife bought me a shirt that says, I just hope both teams have fun. I'll wear that <laughs> shirt. That's what I'll do. Yeah, I um, I grew up rooting for both. My dad's a CSU alum. My aunt's a CU alum. It was one of those, like, I voted for CSU when they played, but I didn't vote against CU the rest of the year. When I got to college, it changed a little bit, just the experience and Especially as I got into media and I started getting like CU fans tweeting at me 365 days a year, my perspective flipped a little bit. But I I do, at my core, just want college football to matter because I feel like that's been an uphill struggle as somebody that creates college football content and has basically tried to just get some momentum during the lowest point in our state's history in terms of CFP success. It's, it's just been brutal. Yeah. And, the, and I think I did have one comment on there that said, I get your side of it because you're the media, but our side is hate. Yeah. We and that's that's really it. what it comes down to. Fundamental differences in perspective. Yeah. And I and I understand that, you know, and I think as a fan, you just go for what what makes it more enjoyable for you. I'm going to root for that outcome to make it more enjoyable. Yeah. For me. I'll say this. If CU were to start 2-0 and and that's a that's a big if. Yeah. Game day would probably be in Boulder for the Rocky Mountain Showdown. That's an ESPN game. There's a decent yes. chance at that point. I'd have to look at the schedule and see what other games are, are competing yeah. with it. But especially because it is an ESPN matchup, like there's a pretty good chance game day would be there for it. That's that. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would just blow people away if that was possible. But you're you're right. It's a big if. Um, although CU TCU last year was like a one point game at halftime, and then Carl Durrell forgot what football was, and then. <laughs> Smoking. And they brought in Duggan and it kind of changed <laughs> yeah. a little bit, but yeah, it was a little different after that. Um, but it was what a crazy time in college football. How aren't you tired of talking about a new coach every two years, whether it's CSU or CU or UNC? I just want to the Broncos, even wouldn't it be nice just to be like, I've known that coach for five years and he's cool, and but instead you get to know him for a season or two and they're gone. UNC, Ed McCaffrey, gone. CU, Carl Durrell gone. Steve Adazio, those guys were all announced within the same time frame, all gone. So I'm just, I want to see some stability. And that obviously is going to be determined uh, around the success portion. I've watched way too much bad football for any rational, sane human being to consume between all of those teams. 
Yes. And I, I think we're ready for some, like we just expect it. The Broncos have been bad for seven years. We just, we've trained our, our minds to just go, if we could just win, you know, a few games here and there, that'd be great. But I'm ready for all these teams to start showing us something. It's interesting. And this is a, a topic for another day because we could go way too far into it. But I just, I wonder what the success of the Avalanche and the Nuggets, how much have played into that in the, you know, just kind of lowering expectations for football because we've had this other thing. Like if we didn't have that, I think it'd be a little more hostility on, on a larger sense. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, we got to get out of here. I do want to ask you just briefly, what is the, uh, what's the general tone? What is the thought about UNC football going into this year? Because to me, it feels like they have a coach that at least makes more sense. Like I understood why Eddie McCaffrey was brought in you dominated the headlines in terms of when those coaches were hired, they got the biggest PR boost out of it. Yeah. Yeah. The problem was the lack of experience. Um, Obviously there's a a million different things that went into that, but what, what's the thought going into the year? Is it that they could be a little bit better? I think that's kind of it. They could be a little bit better. Ed Lamb is a well-respected coach and even CSU guys that I've chatted with, you know, they'll, they'll say, man, that Ed Lamb, that's a great get. That's a real get right there because his experience what he did with Southern Utah, they loved him at BYU. So he's he has a lot of of he has a great football pedigree, and he is very even keel. He's not over the top. He's not you know he is just a worker. And so is it overwhelmingly exciting around UNC? No, but it's it's kind of more of a okay. We've got a guy that can maybe build a program here. Um, let's see how it works. I am excited. You know, they get some good defensive players. Jacob Sermon, the quarterback, I'm excited about him. Ed Lamb talks him up big time. So I think it's the expectations aren't high, but they're kind of like, okay, let's get this thing at least back on a track here because Ed McCaffrey and all the high school coaches couldn't couldn't figure it out with UNC. And that was, for the most part, it was a debacle. It's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. There's a part of me that will always wonder if they should have just stayed D2. I mean, being in the big sky is tough when you have oh the difference yes. in resources. But again, that's probably a topic for another day because we could go on and on. There's so many Brady, great stories. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. This was a blast. We're going to get you on throughout the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter. All right. So I'm just at whole show, uh, H-U-L-L. It's just my last name. And uh, yeah, we love, we talk a lot of Rams football. I love what you do. I love anybody's talking anything other than just Broncos all the time. I'm a big fan of, and I love what you do, man. So yeah, follow me at whole show and uh, Justin will be on there at some point pretty soon too. So we'll be looking forward to that. For sure, man. Much love. This has been a blast. We'll get you on soon. Khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. The water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly like Nazi.